0: Hey, everybody, this is Larry the Cable Guy. Check this out. So I'm in my truck driving with my buddy, and we was heading up to the men's warehouse to fart in the suits, and he's listening to his phone, and I said, that sounds like Hermie Sadler. He said, it is Hermie Sadler. He's got a podcast called Leanin' Right and the Left with Sadler and the Senator. I said, Sadler and the Senator? He said, yeah, that's his good buddy, Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley. I said, well, what in the world? He didn't know this. I said, did you know that Hermie Sadler was voted one of the 50 best-looking drivers in NASCAR. He said, I did not know that. I said, because it ain't true. <laughs> you never know, though. He never takes off his helmet. But I know one thing. This show, leaning Right, turning Left, is good. So pull up a chair right there by your phone, get yourself a cold beer, and give a listen right here to this week's episode of Leanin' Right, Turning Left with Sadler and the Senators. I'll tell you what, I bet Michael Waltrip's even listening. He's always wanted to do something like that. Oh, Sadler, got another one over on Waltrip. Get her done!
1: I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right.
2: And I'm Hermie Sadler, former NASCAR driver and Fox Sports analyst from down in Emporia, Virginia. Ooh. And I'm turning left. Leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator is back, powered by Face of Matt
1: What do you say, Hermie?
2: Senator, how
1: are you? Man, it has been, it's been a busy-ass week, a busy couple weeks. That's why we're not even together. We were supposed to do this podcast earlier in the week, but I got stuck in the Courts of Justice Committee on Wednesday. You came all the way up here to Richmond, where I am now, back in my apartment, and you waited for me, and I let you down. And so now we're doing this by remote on Football Sunday. We still have a lot to talk about, but we're not, we're not sitting with each other, which I, re- I really re- prefer. I even went and made sure on my way up here that I was buying you uh, a good dinner that I could make for you, but uh, you're not here. I even had gifts. We have Sadler Stanley Racing garb that my son uh, Colin made, uh, a little pullover and a little uh, vest I think you like very much. He's got a sewing machine now, like a professional sewing machine, so now I just tell him to do stuff like, you know, maybe like a T-shirt that was stitched in that says F. Berry Night, something like that. I'm thinking, you know, the more the session goes on, the, may, the more T-shirts will be stitching with quippy little sayings and fun things to talk about. But uh, how are you doing?
2: Well, I'm doing good. I did come to Richmond on Wednesday night, and I wouldn't say you let me down. You were trying to uh, do the work of the people, and boy, do you have some opposition when it comes to uh, sticking to your virtues and sticking to your, uh, uh, sticking to your guns, you might say. Uh, which we'll probably talk about <laughs> later in the show uh, as well. Uh, but before we get, I know we got lots of political stuff to talk about, but a couple of things, Bill, I wanted to say right off the top, and I did get a chance to, to tell you about this earlier in the week, but I want to take a moment and uh, dedicate this show to Wendy Nash. Uh, most of our listeners may not know who Wendy Nash is, but Wendy Nash was my general manager at our Slip In Food Mart convenience store over in beautiful. Downtown Cambridge, Virginia. Uh, she had been with uh, my company, Saler uh, Brothers Oil Company, slipping through March uh, for over twenty years. Her husband, Greg Nash, uh, going all the way back, Bill, to nineteen ninety-two, when I signed my first racing contract with General Motors Corporation, Chevrolet. Uh, they assisted me in buying the old F.E. Watkins Motor Company in South Hill, which I. Renamed to Sadler Auto Center of South Hill, and probably the first person I hired to come to work for me was her husband, Greg Nash. So, Greg Nash and I had been friends um, really since uh, our teenage years, Uh, but Greg came to work for me in 1992 and worked for me up until I sold the dealerships uh, to Brandon Boyd, and his wife, Wendy, has been a a great friend, uh, not to mention employee and manager of our store in Cambridge, Virginia, and uh, she became ill really quickly about two weeks ago, Bill, and unfortunately uh, passed away on Thursday. Oh my. And she, uh, I got to go see Greg on Friday, and uh, the service is coming up uh, this Wednesday up in Danville, Virginia. That's where some of her family is from. But uh, I just want to, with your permission and blessing, dedicate this installment of Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler in the Senate to to not only my friend, Wendy, who's no longer with us, but to her husband and one of my dear friends, Greg Nash, who's been a loyal friend and uh, employee and everything you could call on or want and uh, supportive friends, uh, Greg and their family and kids and everybody. My heart goes out to them, and we're certainly going to miss Wendy Nash at Slippian Food Market.
1: Well, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for the loss of the Nash family. That's always hard to take. And- yeah, this, this show will be dedicated to her memory, Wendy Nash. Uh, she walks with the angels now. Um, I'm sure that's always tough for whenever you lose one of those people that have been always dedicated to Sadler Brothers Oil or your race team or what have you um, because you're so close to these people. I mean, that's, that says something about you, man.
2: Well, this happened so quick, Bill. You know, Wendy was a great person, honest, hardworking, and therefore she was a great manager. And one of the things that you can tell when somebody is a great manager, sounds simple, but in 2024, I don't take these (laughs) things for granted anymore, but she had plenty of help at her store. Her paperwork was always done and submitted on time. And most importantly, she always had her bank deposits done and on time and correct and in the bank at the right time. And she did that up until about three weeks ago And then about three weeks ago, uh, Michael Allen, the guy who kind of oversees all of the stores uh, from a corporate level, called me and he said, man, I'm just, something's going on with Wendy. And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, well, her paperwork's been off a little bit the last couple of days and she hadn't made a deposit in two days. And I said, whoa, something is going on with that. But just uh you know uh, a little bit of concern and then what turned into some back pain for some reason went to the hospital they immediately transferred her to mcv where they found multiple brain tumors Uh, they operated on her they got removed two tumors but the third tumor was inoperable and no treatment available Uh, it just it was that quick you know and and they uh i mean it all happened i mean so so fast and so uh, but Wendy will be missed, but I always remember her walking in that store in Cambridge with a smile on her face, proud to have that store. And, you know, I, I think I remember telling you this, but about, um, if you're listening to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, and if you happen to ride past the booming metropolis of South Hill, Virginia, <laughs> you'll notice that we're selling gas up there at about 40 cents under cost. Uh, and we're doing that at this time because uh, we're having a little uh, disagreement with another small business owner in that town about whether or not his business should get a two cent advantage on gas price at the pump over everybody else. So we've had to bring the price on down to uh, to uh, you know make sure he understands that we're not willing to give up a two cent advantage. But the good news is, we usually talk about it in this in this in the framework of skill gain, but the good news is the free market is at work in South Hill, and the uh, the the people that are buying gas and the consumers and the customers are reaping the benefits of that. But the reason I say all that is this person that I'm having this misunderstanding with <laughs> uh, about about a month ago went and hired one of my managers out of one of my stores in blackstone mm. just as despite me you know and so he went through a large sum of money i cannot blame my employee this and this employee that left had been with me almost 30 years went to work for let's just call it the competition well when that when that person left that store in in blackstone her next stop she drove about 15 miles down the road to cambridge and went in to see Wendy Nash and said, Wendy, you need to come to work for me at such and such a place because I'm going to work for them and we're gonna show the Saddlers the time of day. And Wendy Nash looked at her and said, not a chance in hell. I love my job. I love the people I work for. And Hermy and Angie have been loyal family and friends. To Greg and I, for 35 years, and you take your mess on with someone else. Mm. So loyalty, I know, means something to you as it does to me. Yep. So these kind of people, um, Wendy is going to be hard to replace. But uh, appreciate you letting this edition of Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator be uh, uh, be dedicated in her, in her honor and memory.
1: And prayers to the Nash family. Now let's get back to this because you know a lot of people don't understand. When you're running convenience stores, truck stops, restaurants, bars, we've talked was, about was skill this, games. Was
2: this on was this on the syllabus for today or it not? is
1: not on the syllabus, but <laughs> usually there's it's only what you and I talk about wanting to talk about is the syllabus. So but you know, when you're when you're a gas station and you're in competition with other gas stations around, you guys are looking at each other's prices, you're fighting yeah. the marketplace, which is, you know, gouging you already, you're making pennies on a gallon. Uh, you're you know, I, I've learned from the skill game litigation that you know, your, your percentage of profit is minuscule, even compared to what a restaurant would be. You know, yeah. we're talking about one, two, three percent. So what happens when a gas war occurs in downtown South Hill, home of Chef Moss?
2: Do you remember the movie uh, Rocky Three when Clever Lang uh, got up in the face of Rocky and he says, what's your prediction? And he said, pain. Pain. <laughs> yes. That's what we're getting. Uh, in South Hill. And, and if you want me to, I'll give you a brief
1: Yeah. No, that sounds castle. interesting. I mean, how how so, do two convenience stores uh, and, and gas stations go to war right there in, in the streets of South Hill?
2: Well, basically, in a nutshell, 15, 20 years ago, you know, there's never been a written rule on how you run your business. But 15, 20 years ago, there was, I would call it an unwritten rule or courtesy that it was more common that, let's just say, if you got off the exit ramp on exit 12 in South Hill, and you got off the exit and you saw my place on the right, which is a, we would call it a branded station because it's branded Shell. Shell is not Shell, Exxon, Amoco, Sunoco. These places are known as branded locations. Then you've got some places, like we have some too, that are not branded by a Shell or Exxon or BP or whatever. So we call them unbranded. 20 years ago, it was commonplace for an unbranded location to be given a two cent advantage over a branded location because just like with food locations, if you get off the interstate at a place you're not familiar with, and there's a branded station on the right and unbranded station on the left, if you don't know any better, you're, you're probably gonna go to the branded Station because you know the brand, you maybe you have a shell credit card or whatever. So, you know, it wasn't uncommon for an unbranded location or unbranded locations in a town to have a two-cent advantage over the branded location. Well, as you know, in the last 15 years or so, entities like Pilot, Loves, Sheets, Wawa, all of these. Entities that have come in and they're not quote unquote branded, but they are huge organizations. Uh, pilot, you know, uh, all over the country, Loves, all over the country, Sheets, and Wawa seemingly going up on every corner in every town. And they're spending millions of dollars building these huge convenience store locations, but they're not branded. So that Kind of went out the window it became you know sheets and wawa are just as nice as any shell station or sunoco station or bp station or exxon or whatever so but what happened with this case in south hill um the son took over the business about five years ago from the dad and wants to make a name for himself and so he's just very loud very boisterous uh, and he has just determined that he is going to have a two cent advantage on not just us, but all other convenience store owner operators in the town and area of South Hill. And I've decided that I'm not going to do that because in a small town, Bill, you realize, you know, whether it's going to buy gas or cigarettes or any, once in a small town, if you get that reputation. Of being the cheapest in town, people form habits and go to those places as opposed to other places, even though, you know, uh, it may just be perception and not reality. So it's been going on now for about six months, and so now, you know, most gas locations uh, margins are tight right now, but you know most places are in the high two nineties or low three o nine numbers right in there. And if you go to South Hill right now, we're two fifty nine. Wait a And that is, Write that, that down, is... everybody.
1: Two fifty nine at the South Hill Salad. Hey, <laughs>
2: hey, but listen. Get in line, let's go. This will be the only time I ever tell you this. If you right. get off in South Hill to buy gas, I've got two fifty nine on the sign, but don't buy it from me. Go across the street and buy it from the other guy at two fifty nine. I want him to sell as much gas as he can <laughs> at two fifty nine over the weekend. Ah, so now I maybe get it. when that transport truck shows back up to refill his tanks, and he's got to come maybe seventy five hundred dollars out of pocket to put gas back in the ground, maybe we'll start getting somewhere.
1: <laughs> this is like a gang war between the Bloods and the Crips, but sharks and the, the bill, you know what was that in West Side
2: Stories? How many times? have we talked about the importance of the free market system all the time i mean we talk about it in different so right now the consumer wins because they're buying gas 35 and 40 cent a gallon cheaper than i can buy it from the rack in richmond and if i like the casinos won't if i had a monopoly on selling gas in south hill virginia i could put my gas price at what $349. $349. I could put it a dollar higher than what the market is right now. $359 in South Hill if I had a government enabled monopoly and I could charge everybody $359 a gallon because guess what? The government says if you want to buy gas in South Hill, you have to buy it from me. That's what has really nagged me and indirectly you about this skill game fight in the casinos fighting against skill games and the free market. Because competition makes people be competitive. Right. And when people, businesses have to compete, the consumer wins. And so that's a real life example of what's going on in South Hill. It's very painful financially. But for me, but guess what? Also for him. And so one of us has to decide in the coming weeks, you know. Who blinks? How far are we going? Who blinks. How far are we going? What are we going to do? But for us. It's the long term protection of our business. We cannot allow anybody to create a perception or habit with consumers in South Hill that you can always go to place X and get the cheapest gas. We just can't let that happen. So if we can help it. So you
1: said it's gone on for six months. Has it been like, Oh, you dropped it two cents? I'm dropping it two cents. You drop it two yeah. cents. And so it's been going back and forth yeah. to see who can outdo the other.
2: And then every once in a while, one of us will go back up to see if the other one will go back up. Um, you know, but that's how these things have to be decided. You cannot talk about gas prices with people in that industry. It's, it's price fixing issues and things. So the only way we talk to each other is the sign we put on the, on the road sign, the price. That's how we communicate. And so um, it's just one of those things. Sometimes things work in, in our favor. Sometimes uh, they work against us. But I, but, but I understand it, and, and, and we understand there's a fight, and we fight it because, as I said, that's what the free market and capitalism says you're supposed to do in these situations.
1: Yeah, and again, you, you made the great point. The consumer wins. How is this bad for sure South Hill? And, sure and, and I'm, I'm sure there are people outside of South Hill who probably have been told about these lower gas prices and are coming in. So they're, they're picking up the gas in volume. But what you're telling me, if I got this right, is that the price that's on the board right now, on your sign, is less than what you're, putting, you're paying for it going in the tank?
2: At, at least 30 cents a gallon, not including freight.
1: So you're giving it away.
2: We're selling at a negative number to the tune of 30 cents a gallon. So I sit here beside my trusted ad machine. So when we get a load of fuel to take, it, we take 7,500 gallons and we do that, let's see, (laughs) 7,500 gallons times 30 cent a gallon. So around 2,300 bucks negative. And right now we're pumping in South Hill because I went through there Friday on my way to go see Greg Nash and cars were lined up at, Saddler Travel Plaza in South Hill, the Shell station that we've taken yep. the show at several times. Shell Motiva. They were lined up three and four deep uh, to get gas. So we probably pumped maybe three tractor trailer loads of gas on Friday alone. Wow! And so down in Emporia, twenty-two fifty times three loads is almost sixty-eight hundred dollars. We were upside down in fuel margin on Friday alone.
1: All right, well I want you to give an advertisement for those that are listening here. I mean, even if in Richmond, you might you might want to drive down there. You might waste an hour's of gas get there, but you're going to fill up your tank for a lot cheaper than you will but anywhere else in Virginia.
2: For right now, and this is just for now, but for right now, don't buy it from me. Go across the street.
1: Okay. And buy it. So when you see the Sadler Travel Plaza in South Hill, go across the street and buy go it from them. Across
2: the street. Buy it from them this time.
1: It's better. <laughs> it's better gas. You'll get more mileage Really?
2: Out. Really and truly, I just want to have the price on the sign right now to prove a point, but I really don't want to sell any gas. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does.
1: So how far, how far are you willing to go on this? I mean, this seems like a, not just a tit for tat. This is, this is that competition, you know, between McDonald's and Burger King when they start dropping the price of the cheeseburger uh, to bring the people in and, and, to, and to build brand loyalty. How, long, how, long are you, how well, far are you willing to go?
2: Well, now that we're, now that we're in it, you know we have to stay. We we have to, you know. And I, you know, I, I'll say stay till the end. But I don't know what the end is. I don't know how long, or, you know, this other family. I'm sure they're, you know, they're great. They really are. Actually, really are good people, and I like them. Um, and they've run good business over the years. So I'm sure they've got, um you know, they've got some, uh, got some horsepower behind them, and they're willing to, to ride it out. But you know they. They, uh, the son that's now running the business, he wants to, you know, he wants to be, okay, we're cheapest in town and, you know, for us to protect our business, we just have to fight for it and not let that happen. And so, uh, but I do like this part of the conversation that goes back to, because there are still many, many people, Bill, that I talk to on a daily basis that don't truly understand the fight of the skill games, because you've never been a fan of gambling. You've never voted for gaming. No. Uh, in Virginia, and I don't care about gaming. I, I'm not. I, I don't go play the games myself. But I don't think the government should be picking winners and losers when it turn when it comes to small businesses. And if it was a free market system, the way you know in gaming, like it is in the petroleum business, people could compete and people could decide where they want to go, spend their money if they want to entertain themselves in that kind of way. So uh, we're working it out. You know, it's not a pleasant experience, but we're working it out in the way that our forefathers wanted us as small business owners to work out these types of things. Not the way we are in 2024 with the government getting involved in mandating and picking winners and losers and, you know, um, overreach into businesses and people's livelihoods. That's not the way it's supposed to be.
1: Now, I am sure Big Herman, your dad, loves this. This is what he lives for. Does he? Is there a quippy? Is there a saying that that Herman Senior would give in such a situation like this to to kind of encapsulate what's going on here and and why we're here and and let the best man win? What would he say?
2: Well, um, he's by and large left this up to me and you know a friend of mine, a person that you know, Brian Port and BP. You know BP. But uh, I will tell you about three months ago when it, this thing really started to get serious uh, on what we were doing in South Hill. I went in there and started talking to my dad and I said, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that. This is what they're doing. You know, this is what I think we ought to do. I said, but I hate it because, you know, just, I, just I, as I explained to you, I said, Dad, you know, every time our tractor trailer uh, rolls into South Hill and puts gas in the ground, it's costing us you know about twenty eight hundred bucks. And <laughs> my dad never cracked a smile, never quit. He looked at me right now like this, and he said, Austin, him too." You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> Good old Herman so, Senior. Yeah, uh, he ought to teach a business uh, course at Wharton, uh, UVA. Yeah, he had to... Well, he
2: he's, he's he's he learned old school, school of hard knock. You know, he yeah. He does everything on a ye- yellow legal pad, pen and paper, and he scribbles and draws and. You know all these kind of things, but he does know when somebody's trying to come after us, and he likes the appropriate responses um, because you know as we talk about all the time, there's people every day coming after us and after our business, and um, you know if if we don't fight, um, people take advantage. You know you give them yeah. a foot, they take a yard, and all these other kind of things. So, uh, but anyway, I also wanted to mention. You know, I came to see you Wednesday. Uh, you stood me up. Uh, <laughs> but Thursday, uh, I went down to Charlotte. Uh, actually, uh, outside of Charlotte over in Concord, uh, North Carolina area, we had the season kickoff.
1: Now, wait, are, um, we, are we about to talk about racing? Because you brought up a really good point before we go there.
2: Well, that, I was, but if, are you stopping? Yeah, me?
1: yeah, because... Because you're saying, you know, people are always after you and, and businesses, we're talking about small businesses. You know, I think I told you on the phone in a small way, but in a big way, um, what we were going to talk about when you came down here on Wednesday was I was under attack. Uh, last week's show, if you listened to the last show that we had, that we talked about skill games and remember I, I cross-examined uh, some witnesses, some people that came to speak on behalf of the skill games, um, cross-examined John Daniel. Uh, they were trying to attack skill games. They wanted to send it to the, um, to the General Laws Committee where the chairman there and the, and the membership up there wanted to kill it. Louise and I uh, discussed that. We thought it should go to finance. We went through all that. And if you haven't listened to our last episode of Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, it's a really good episode. The second half deals with the battle to get skill games legalized here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And what we went through right there on the floor in, in the committee uh, to get that bill passed by Senator Aaron Rouse out of, the, out of the Commerce and Labor Committee and onto finance and not onto a second committee that would have killed the bill and would have kept these skill games, not games of chance, but skill games, illegal in Virginia, hurting small businesses. So I, you, know, you and I had talked about it actually on the podcast that um, I had stayed out of gambling ever since and gaming. This is Gaming, Not Gambling. But I'd stayed, stayed out of voting on anything because you were my client, not just my friend. We had filed the lawsuit. I'd always voted no on gaming, gambling, whatever. You know, I don't think it's great for Virginia. I lost that fight. Gambling became legal. Then the question of what about skill games, which are not games of chance. Gambling is a game of chance. You put your money in, you hope, as you like to say. Skill games give you the opportunity of video skill games give you the opportunity of winning every time. It's like a crane game. It's like a coin pusher game. It's like a game at the state fair. Gives you every opportunity based on your skill to win and to win the prize from your efforts. That's what we've been fighting for all this time. Well, when I, when I piped up at the Commerce and Labor uh, Committee hearing and kind of redirected what the casinos had done, because the casinos had planned, they weren't even anticipating anything but it going to the General Laws Committee on the Senate side, where they were going to kill it, uh, suddenly we made a play there based on what I thought was fairness, but also I was participating and I voted. Well, guess what happened, Hermie? And I think I told you this, but if not, I'll remind you. Well, the casino interests, their lobbyists, went, went and started complaining. One of them said, after the committee hearing, Stanley's done, effed up now, we're going after him. And their perception was, is that I'd violated my ethics. But you and I talked on that previous show, after the, after the, uh, our lawsuit was over. Where our injunction was vacated by the Supreme Court, and this and the and the Circuit Court in Greensville County had no other option but to to dismiss our claims. At that time, uh, I asked the Ethics Council, which gives us ethics opinions. I gave them a great detail in what we do. That paceomatic, who's the sponsor of this podcast, also of this race team that you and I have. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm your client. I've been involved in all this stuff. I'd I'd not voted before. Can I vote? Can I participate? You know, even. If the lawsuit's over, whether it's not or whether it is. My perception is I can't. A very detailed letter, and I got a letter back, as we talked about last week, that said I could. I could participate. I could talk to people about it. I could educate them on what I knew about skill games. I could talk to them about the lawsuit. I could advocate. I could, I could vote. I could even carry the bill. Well, obviously, those casino lobbyists did not hear that or did not know that because it's a, it's a private letter. It's confidential. I didn't go out and tell the casino lobbyists this. So they then went to the Washington Post, which to a reporter that I have a very good relationship with, she's very fair, I won't say her name, uh, and they said, you got a big story here. Stanley's done something illegal, unethical. He violated his ethics. He's violated ethics rules of the Senate by participating in that, uh, in that Senate hearing and, and voting. And so she came to me and she asked me about it. She said, boy, they don't like you. They, they think, you know, you're in trouble. And um, I told her exactly what happened with the ethics letter. I even showed her a copy of it, let her read it. She came to the same conclusion and a Washington post story that was supposed to be attacking me a, And it was supposed to be attacking skill games put up by the casinos and the casino lobbyists in particular, which if I find out who, who, who these people are that are saying this stuff, because they, they don't just represent casinos. They represent a lot of other clients. I'm going to have some things to say. Um, basically, then they read the newspaper and they all were like, oh, no, we didn't get him again. And instead of, you know, pointing out what they claimed to be an ethical violation, they read in the Washington Post how it was not ethical. In fact, I was probably being over ethical before. And I probably, as the letter said, I could have participated before. I just thought better of it at the time. And so another attempt of trying to go after us, go after our character, go after our te- integrity, Shot in the ass. They were shot in, their, in the ass with their own gun. And here we go again uh, with these type of people that will do anything, Hermie, anything. I mean, they've attacked you. They've attacked me. They, they've said everything about the court and the judge. They are so desperate right now to, to try to stop skill games at any, at any cost. They're willing to go after someone who they know and who's probably helped them or listened to them. When they've had a bill or a client that wanted a bill passed or killed, these lobbyists that have chosen uh, the, the, the silver, the coins, rather than ethics themselves, uh, come and attack me and try to publicly shame me and, I guess, have me charged on ethical violations? Well, that, that just didn't occur. So that was how my week was going. So that was on, I guess, the end of that week, the beginning of the week, right before uh, Wednesday when we're supposed to tape. And so they got a rude awakening, but, you know, I mean, they they will go to any ends to win.
2: I sit here from a different perspective, you know, than you have on this. And, you know, our lawsuit was, you know, basically dismissed. The lawsuit's over. Right. And so, you know, and I sit here on the outside looking in and saying, okay, a person that Works for an an industry that wants to create a government enabled monopoly, take from the little guy to give to the big guy simply because of money and donations and those kind of things. And some of the arguments they make, you know, obviously makes that very, very clear. But these same people are going to question your ethics. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes no sense. And talking about coming after you. These, you know, what's built a Rosie's right here in the heart of the town that I grew up in. And I ride out every day, which I don't care about the competition. But while they are building this Rosie's and they are now operating and trying to hire my people and doing all these other things, they are at the same time constantly trying to take away our rights and our revenues that we operate in our business. So to make things better off for them. So, I mean, I'm not dumb. I know one of the reasons why they built right here in Why else would they build a Rosie's built in Emporia, Virginia?
1: <laughs> right in your backyard.
2: I mean, you know. So I mean,
1: Right near your property too, right?
2: 50 yards. Got a fence up. You can go over there <laughs> and play all the games you want to. But you cannot go to Hermie Sadler's in on Market Drive and, and put a, a quarter in a skill game because the government says so. It's just unbelievable, um, really. But, you know, and I think I told you this when you were telling me how, you know, and I saw I've been watching, trying to watch a little bit of y'all's uh, live streams, you know, from the General Assembly. So the, one of the guys came up during the Commerce and Labor Committee on behalf of casinos and brought up three or four, you know, uh, and he he's representing casinos and he wants skill games gone. So they're going back to the SCSI, you know, you can't regulate them, you can't do this. So this bigger guy gets up, I forget his name, don't have to call it, but yeah. he gets up and says, You got problem number one for skill games, problem number two for skill games, problem number three for skill games, problem number four for skill games. And then you come back and say, okay, well, if we promise to address your four concerns in this skill game legislation, I assume you mean then that you'll support it. Well, no, 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 no. No, I don't mean that. (laughs) That's true. And then a couple days later on a different issue, I saw the same guy come back up and argue on behalf of some other entity. So to your point, he's not just fighting for, you know, fighting to get casinos to get a monopoly and help the big guy hurt the little guy. As far as, you know, small business are concerned, he's involved in other things too. And that's why, you know, you brought up the point. If you're a lobbyist that needs to have a relationship with people like you, you gotta be careful. Because, look, you and I don't agree on everything. I don't know anybody, two people, to agree on everything. But I don't belittle people or publicly shame people that have a different thought process than I do. But when you come after somebody's integrity, you know, if, if you don't want to sit here and have a debate on the issues and can't have a mutual respect for what somebody else believes and their life experiences may be way different than yours, you know, if I don't like you, I don't agree with how you think on something. If my default fault mechanism is to come after you and your family, that's a problem. Right. You know, and so that's what really irritates me. And one of the things that really irritates me about these people in Richmond, these lobbyists and these people that are trying to influence and and, you know, um, get get legislation written and passed based on things that. That uh really come back to money and lobbying and influence and all that if they if you don't agree with them, guess what they come after your family and go come look come out to somebody's family and come after somebody's integrity because why I'm on a different side of an argument than you are exactly it is it it is it is one of the major issues that you know, unfortunately, I don't have an opportunity this session to be over there with you fighting these battles every day. Buddy, but I wish you were. W- I wish you were, man. That, that's one thing that I can assure you, Whether I, uh, if I were over there, whether or not I would have gotten anything passed or been on a single solitary committee, the fact <laughs> that you've got people that say things and do things and and, and lobby for things and try to get legislation done, Based on money and influence and lobbying, is a problem. And what's even worse, problem, if they don't get their way, they start acting like five-year-olds and start coming after somebody's integrity and in their family. And for me, regardless of the issue, that's always been out of bounds for me, and I would have a hard time dealing.
1: with that. Yeah, yeah, and I've had a hard time dealing with this week. I mean, you know, because you want you know vengeance, and and I'm reminded, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Uh, at the same time, I would just like someone to be man enough or woman enough to stand up and say, "Yeah, man, I'm the one that fed that to her. I'm the yeah. one that went after your ethics and the things that matter most to you, which is your word and your name." The same things that these scumbag lobbyists who have done this, and I don't mean every lobbyist. I mean the lobbyists that actually went to the paper and said, "Oh, you know, Peacematic is sponsoring their race team in this podcast and." that's unethical and he hasn't been voting and that's, and that's a crime. I mean, it
2: has been for three years Yeah, and it was never an issue until y'all got this legislation bypassed a committee in which they were planning on killing it and got it moved somewhere else. And then they come up and say, Oh, we've got to look in, they've sponsored this podcast and our race team for three years. That's right. The day that the, the day that the Supreme court of Virginia, vacated our injunction, and in essence, ended our lawsuit, did they come after you worried about pace spots on our race team that day? Nope. No. So people got to look past all this nonsense. It only matters because they need a narrative. They have to find a narrative that they can make me, you, and us look like we're doing something wrong. Exactly. When they kicked our ass back in November and they, you know, we won, we won. They weren't questioning your ethics. They didn't care about Paysomatic sponsoring the podcast. They didn't care about Paysomatic sponsoring the race team, but you and Senator Lucas on a bill for different types of reasons feel like needs to go to finance. Y'all get it to finance and pull a play on them to prevent them from killing the bill, you know, which is in essence what they had planned on doing. Now all of a sudden bill You're a bad guy. You have no ethics and you can't do that because pay sponsors your race team. I mean, I mean, it's just really, really sad how this whole thing works.
1: Well, and, and, and they depend on, you know, they'll come to you with a, a client of theirs that paid them a lot of money and they, they may have an issue in Virginia that needs to be corrected or a law that needs to be passed or something innovative or something good. And they want you to carry it. And they'll come to me and say, Stanley, you're the only guy that can do this because we know you're passionate. We know know character and integrity matter. I mean, and I'm not tooting my own horn. That's just the way they approach it. And maybe they're blowing sunshine up my ass and maybe they're not. But I do believe the way my father raised me, as your father raised you, that I'm going to make sure that my character and integrity come first. And if I like what you're asking me to do or of bills of my own idea, that when I I decide to carry them and put my name on the top of the legislation uh, proposed, I'm passionate about it, you know. We we can talk about many things, like you know, we talked about the um, the scholarship for uh, robotics. We were talking about this for years, and that someone who is the chairman of appropriations, Republican, wearing the same color jersey of jersey as mine, decided to kill it because because of yours and my lawsuit to try to, le- to legalize and keep legal skill games was counter to his beliefs at the time. So rather than, you know, look at this as a bill for children and you know how passionate I was about it, they decided, ha, we're going to show you, we're going to, we're going to punish these kids by killing that bill last year because you and I, you and I, Hermie were having success in skill games, in the litigation, we had an injunction, they were turned back on and that was counter to, I guess, this delegate's belief or the people that were in his ear. That's the same passion that I had for that bill. And I brought it back this year. Man, it's sailing through everything so far, by the way, Hiram, but, but those lobbies depend on, they're, they're on passion, passionate delegates or senators who believe in what they are arguing. If you're not passionate about something you bring to the General Assembly, if you're just doing it and walking through the, the uh, you know, walking through the paces on this one and not really invested in it, then you shouldn't be here. So they're now calling on my passion for your lawsuit, my clients, this issue for small businesses, and now saying I'm unethical. And at the same time, the next time, if I can find out who these son of a are, and I mean it, uh, I'm never going to ever let them in my office to listen to them. You can kiss my butt if you want me to. Support something or carry some piece of legislation for you because, and it's, it may be a great piece of legislation, but you don't treat people like that. That's where society becomes inhuman. That's where we're going to, that person is, is taking three pieces of silver over humans that they deal with because the casinos pay them better at the time than it is to be honest, open and fair with the people that they deal with, like myself and other delegates and other senators.
2: It's just really a dark side, a dark side of politics, not only in Virginia, but everywhere. But the difference for me is when I love and care and respect somebody, you know, you can't turn that off and on. And these people, if I were a lobbyist, I can't come to Bill Stanley's office and say, you know, when it comes to the robotics program and creating opportunities for the kids, Bill, you're a man of high integrity and passion. You're the only guy that can get this done. But now, as it relates to skill games, you are, Bill. Your ethics are out of line. You know, <laughs> and it, I mean, they pick and choose to, to 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 you know the messaging and the and unfortunately the media. You know, I'm I'm thankful based on our conversation last week. I'm thankful that you had an opportunity to get the truth to this Washington Post reporter because. You know, in some cases and in, in, in most times, you know, big media, especially the the other side, they, they get their messaging out much better in some of these media publications and outlets because a lot of times people don't get to tell the other side and and a lot of people whatever they see and read on social media and in the paper, they believe. And but this whole thing related to skill gains just why these people think the way they do is because of money and lobbying and influence. And when they run across a little bump, look, you and I both were devastated because I was with you in Richmond the day that we got the news that our the Supreme Court ruling came down and our injunction was vacated. And, and then we went to court, you know, a couple weeks later. OK, our lawsuit basically got dismissed. Okay, I'm right. disappointed, you're disappointed, yeah, you know, but we didn't immediately go on the social media and start you know, ripping casinos or or talking about people's ethics or talking about you know it, it's it's just <clears throat> it's just really, really a, a frustrating dark side of politics that uh, I wish I had a chance to come over and because the only way to get people to to get out of these habits. Is to have somebody over there like you, every day, standing up for the right way, the right thing, you know. And there's not enough people like that over there, and because of that, uh, the people lose.
1: Uh, almost every day, and then you got to wonder who is running the show, and, and you got to almost think the people that are running the show aren't the people that are elected. The people that are running the show are these lobbyists, you know. I mean that, that's yeah. the real, that's the real problem here. And so, um, I was trying to pull up the Washington Post article to to read the uh, to read the quote because it's near the end that that she brings it in. But you know, it says something to the effect of uh, you know eyebrows were raised because Bill Stanley participated in this commerce and labor hearing when he's got sponsorship from one of the manufacturers. Eyebrows
2: eyebrows were raised by the lobbyists, yes, who didn't like how the committee meeting turned out,
1: okay. yes. Yeah. And so, you know, when it came right down to it, well, wait a minute, they were, you know, and I, and I showed her the letter and that, and that's how it happened. And I said, the closing argue, argument I said, that was the last words of our article was, what are they afraid of? Good lawyering and, and good advocacy for, for small businesses. I mean, what are they afraid of? That's what they're afraid of. The little guy's actually winning against these big corporations and these big time lobbyists getting big, t- getting paid big time money. And guess who's winning? David over Goliath. And that's what they can't stand. It's driving them nuts. So, so I'm going to tell you something. We're, I'm, just going to, I'm just going to give a little teaser of what's going on, because hopefully next week we'll talk about it more. But you know what? When, when all of a sudden the casinos were real relaxed and, you know, don't have to worry much, it's going to, it's going to our favorite committee, general laws, where we're going to kill it, we're still in control. And then all of a sudden it took a big right turn up into finance, and they went nuts, and they accused me of all these ethics violations. Well, then, lo and behold, guess what happens? A person who we've been talking about involved in skill games who might be an elected official then is behind a lawsuit to try to fight with people in a certain region of Virginia uh, that would upend the way that they pick their legislators at the local level in city councils. Um, That has caused a big thing to the point where um, that special legislation has to pass by two-thirds because it's only one county, only one you know, area. When you, when you have legislation that's you know not for all of Virginia, then you have to have a supermajority. And suddenly the person behind this lawsuit, ironically as it may be, messing with legislation, supposedly doing what this person hated the most about us, is using that legislation because what they're trying to get the other side to do is say, well, unless you stop this lawsuit, we're going to kill scale games. Now, I know that's a little convoluted. I'll, I'll, we'll try to dial it in for you next week. But you'd be surpri- you wouldn't be surprised who's behind this litigation. I, <laughs> I know you know who we're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I we do. We
1: might have, you know, talked about it before. And, and they're now using this to get their damn way, kill small businesses, and, and mess with the Democrats that are actually carrying the bill to legalize skill games in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Can you believe that?
2: I mean just unfortunately I can't.
1: My god. Now, before we go on a break and then I want to talk racing after the break, I just want to show you kind of how the silly season is and the reason why on Wednesday you and I could not have been together um was basically it's what we call gun day. And gun day is when all the gun bills come to the courts of justice committee. And so certainly uh we had our fair share. Now, when we're in the majority, uh you see a lot of gun bills that are you know, pro-Second Amendment, protecting your right to bear arms, those kind of things. When the Democrats are in control, well, well even when they're not in control, they, they, they put down these anti-Second Amendment bills and they're, kind of, they're all in a kooky class. There's not one of them that, that is reasonable or rational. It's all trying to be a gun grab. It's all punishing the legal, lawful citizen who has the right to possess firearms and does so. And I just want to give you a little taste. In that Courts of Justice Committee meeting, uh, it was presented, Senate Bill 522, by Senator Williams Graves. She's just come over. She's from the Hampton Roads, Virginia Beach area. Just come over from the House. Very nice, Senator. Really nice. Very liberal. um, Had put a bill in, Senate Bill 522, that goes right into the, you know, criminal history background check for firearms, right? So you got to possess certain qualities. You have to be not a felon. You got to, you know, you have to pass a background check. And, th- and we have a statute uh, that's 18.2308.2, uh, which is basically if you violate those requirements in order to purchase a firearm, you can be arrested and charged with a crime. So uh, Senator Williams Graves puts in a bill that basically redefines section A of that code section, 18.2308.2 colon two, which is entitled Cr- criminal history record information check required for the Transfer." ownership of certain firearms, her bill would have, well, her bill uh, that we'll see says any person purchasing from a dealer, a firearm as defined in this section shall present proof that such person has demonstrated competence with a firearm or completed a firearm safety or training course as specified in subsection five within the past five years in writing. Now, if you look at that, so I've got to take if I'm if I'm a firearm owner, which I am, enthusiast, own many. My wife owns some. My oldest boy owns some. Uh we we practice there on a farm where we're, you know, very proficient, very safety oriented. But in this bill, the first thing that rises up to you is that you have to take, I guess, a fire safety firearm safety and prevention well, you know, I like got harm prevention course every five years if you wanna buy a firearm. You can take one and 2025, but if you haven't taken one in 2031 when you go to buy another firearm, well, too bad for you if this bill becomes law. But the second thing is, is that you have to present either demonstrated competence with a firearm or completed the firearms course. So she came to the Courts of Justice Committee meeting while you were waiting here on the parking lot of my apartment, waiting to go on our podcast. And she actually um, she actually testified to what her bill did and didn't do. So let's listen to what uh, Senator Williams Graves has to say about Senate bill 522. And I'll tell you what happened to it after that.
3: Good morning, Mr. Chair and members of the committee. <coughs> I bring before you Senate Bill 522 to require a gun safety course. Um, This bill is to require proof of a gun safety course being taken within the last five years to purchase a gun. Um, The course qualifications are consistent with the concealed carry approved courses. The intention of the bill is to simply ensure that people know how to handle a weapon, a deadly weapon safely um, we require drivers to have training to drive a vehicle which if that vehicle is improperly used can be a deadly weapon and we also and voting is also a right um, as gun ownership is a right yet we do put restrictions on voting so um, I would ask that the committee pass the bill uh. <laughs>
1: What leaps out of you, Herm, when you listen to that?
2: <laughs> Look, this is a, my family uh, grew up, you know, I grew up around the outdoors and hunting and, you know, uh, we've always done things the right way, licenses, uh, respected other people's wishes and properties and, and all that. And just the constant attempt by lawmakers to trample on or infringe on our constitutional rights in any way, just make me sad. And this is just another. They they try to make it get up and and bill sound like not a big deal, but it's just you know yep. little a uh, little more a few more guardrails. And none of these guardrails line up with what I believe to be my constitutional right um, as it relates to firearms and certainly not in any way going to deter bad people or mentally ill people from doing bad things.
1: Yeah. And again, that's not going to stop the bad guy with a gun. And, you know, what struck me when I was listening to the presentation is that the equivocation was, you know, people have voting rights, but that's, you know, it's in the Constitution, but there are limitations, there are rules on that, and you know, a a car can be a deadly weapon, but but the overuse of the firearm is a deadly weapon. I mean, a fork can be a deadly deadly weapon if you stick it in someone's eye. You know, there there, you know, your dog can be a deadly weapon. Um, do you have to show competency to? Before you can own a dog, sometimes I wish that shouldn't be there, but I, I believe that people's rights should not be infringed, especially when they're so plainly stated in the Constitution like it here is right. in the Second Amendment. And yet, if you notice, I read you the bill before she presented the bill. She made no mention that the person, when purchasing a firearm, and by the way, I'm purchasing one this week. Uh, we're going to go get one. But the person... uh Purchasing the firearm must present proof that such person has demonstrated competence with a firearm or completed the course. Well, how do you demonstrate competence with a firearm? I mean, what is that? Is that objective? Is it subjective? I mean, so, so then I got into a discussion with her about that. I was uh, particularly interested in why we weren't looking at the front part of the bill. And this was the interesting conversation that occurred. Let's see what we can play, get here. If I don't mess it up, this was here in the Senate Courts of Justice Committee after she presented her bill. Senators are allowed to question the patron on their bill, and this is what occurred. And if I may ask the patron of Bill, uh, a Bill, a question to follow up on what Senator Stewart has been talking about, um, but, Mr. Chair, I'd, I'd ask the senator when we look at the language here of this bill. It says, uh, "If I'm going to purchase a firearm." the the seller has to have received from me the prospective purchaser proof that such prospective purchase has demonstrated
3: competence. What would that be? Through taking a gun safety course? N- Mr. Chair. Senator Stanley. Um, Senator, I,
1: I respectfully would disagree because it says, or completed a firearm safety or training course as specified in subsection S within the past five years. So this is an either or proposition, not an and. So I would then ask, if I'm a gun seller and someone wants to buy a firearm from me, what proof, is, is it subjective, the proof that I deem that the prospective purchaser has demonstrated competence with a firearm? What's the standard?
3: the standard is taking a gun safety course if the person has taken a gun safety course within the last five years that is proof of competence if the person may be um law enforcement or they use a gun in their day-to-day work that would be proof but for the average citizen the proof would be having taken a gun safety course within the last five years
1: mr chairman sarah stanley but you understand your your bill doesn't say that you got just got to take a gun safety course and provide the certificate to the seller of the firearm. You're saying this bill says prove competence with a firearm or take the uh, the, sa- uh, the gun safety course. You you understand that, right? As part I, I of your just, bill,
3: I do understand what you're saying. And um, again, taking the gun safety course is proof of competence. And that, and Mr. Chairman, final
1: question. And even though your bill says differently. That is your only test for competence in your mind, or your intent of this piece of offered legislation.
3: My intent for this piece of legislation is that folks have to take a competency course, a, a gun safety course, in order to be deemed competent to carry a weapon.
1: Well, there you go. <laughs> Doesn't even understand her own bill. I mean, it's an either or, you know, like you know, either or and or those kind of conjunctions, you know, conjunction junction. Um.
2: Yeah, he never, never got, never got to the point of answering the question. I mean, who, who decides competency?
1: And how do you, how do you demonstrate? Do you like go out there with you know six shooters and spin them around in your finger and put them in your holster? Or
2: so what? What yeah. happened? You, you left me hanging. What, what happened?
1: Shockingly, Senate Bill five twenty two passed along party lines. <laughs> you <gotta dig> <laughs> passed nine to six because you know the Democrats they got a little bit better on parity, but they're still nine to six. Out of 15 total members, only six Republicans.
2: No, Nobody else, nobody on the Democratic side had a single question. I know they have different views than we do on gun rights. That's I, I get that. Yeah. But nobody on the other side even had a concern about the fact that the bill doesn't say what you're saying.
1: Yeah, nobody. Now, a couple raised eyebrows, but nobody said anything. In fact, then they voted for the bill, even though that that seems to be, you know, we're, we're creating a vagety. Now, if I'm a lawyer and I want to, let's say someone wants to buy a firearm and this is now the law. Let's say it passes the the Senate floor, which I, I'm thinking it will, 2119. It'll go over to the House. They debate it there, 5149. That passes it. Luckily, we have Glenn Youngkin who's going to veto that sucker. But let's say it was a law. became law. If we had a Democrat governor, and this should be, more reason than any, anything else to make sure we don't have a Democrat governor you know, after Youngkin's term ends. But let's say it became law. So as a constitutional lawyer who defends First Amendment, other amendments, you know, everybody's constitutional rights, I would sit there and say, that is constitutionally vague. You know, you must prove competence or take the safety course. Well, how do I prove competence? Do I say, well, I own 50 firearms? Or... Uh, You know, do I do I shoot something out in the parking lot like a tin can off the top of a rail of a fence and say, see, I'm competent. Do I load, unload the thing, take it apart, clean it, put it back together for him? I mean, what am I doing to buy a firearm? Because now you're impeding my right to bear arms because you're making it a litmus test, a subjective litmus test to determine whether I can possess, let alone purchase a firearm. And that's unconstitutional. Those kind of limits aren't allowed by the government. And so this bill is unconstitutionally vague on its face and yet just like I'm seeing on every one of those issues those partisan issues that supposedly because we're so 21195149 split so tightly we should be paying attention to the stuff that's not partisan they can't help themselves here comes this bill passes we'll pass 2119 and we're not we don't we don't care we care about the brochure we care about putting it down on the in the press look what we did limit legal owners gun rights look at us and meanwhile <laughs> the illegal guns are still getting into criminals hands and still committing crime you know the chairman that and
2: committing crimes and not paying the proper price of justice right soft which is on crime. the biggest cycle um, that you know people are not afraid to push the law or break the law because yeah,
1: I mean, think in that very hearing that I, you know, blew you off because I had to be there. And that's, and that's the other thing. I mean, sometimes you proxy out, you leave and say, Hey man, you know, you guys vote. Clearly my vote's not going to turn the table, but you cannot miss these pieces of legislation. You have to stay and fight and fight against them. There was another piece of legislation that day proposed by my friend, Dave Marsden, who I love to death. He's a liberal from Northern Virginia. I love him to death, but, His legislation was, if you leave a gun, your firearm, Hermie, in your car, and someone breaks into your car and steals your stuff, steals your iPad, steals your phone, and steals your firearm, then you have committed a crime and can be found uh, guilty. You, the victim, can be found guilty because, dang it, you just put the cheese too close to where the mouse wanted to go and grab it. And so you're guilty of a crime, not the guy that took your gun. You broke into your car, broke your window, took your iPad, took your cell phone, and took your firearm. You're the guilty one. And and Scott Servo, believe it or not, said, you know, well, you know, we're seeing a lot of more gun crimes in Washington D.C. because you know Virginians are afraid, uh, and so they're carrying their firearms into like hockey games and the Wizards games and in Chinatown. And then they park their car and then somebody's, you know, they're in the parking garage and they break in the car and they take their firearms. And totally missed the point that why is it that there are people, Hermie, in Washington, D.C., breaking into your car and stealing firearms? And you just answered it because there's no law enforcement. And why are the people so afraid? They want to come see their favorite hockey team or basketball team from the Commonwealth of Virginia Carrying firearms in their cars when they go into Washington, D.C. When they know, everybody, if you live in Northern Virginia, you know firearms are absolutely illegal in all circumstances in Washington, D.C. Cannot have a gun. Cannot, 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 ever, 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 ever. Unless you're a police officer. And even if you're an off-duty police officer, you can't have a gun when you drive a car in there. Why is this happening? Why are are Virginians driving into D.C. with guns in their cars? Because crime is rampant. You've got... You know, carjackings, murder, attacks, muggings, rapes going on because the liberals that run Washington, D.C. don't want to enforce the laws because they have compassion. Oh, look, there's Johnny. He had a bad life. He just raped that woman and shot her. Bam, yeah, let's give him probation. And then they wonder why people, good law-abiding citizens, want to have firearms nearby just in case that occurrence is attempted on them. I mean,
2: hypocrisy is yeah, the- a name. The person that had their car illegally broken into and had personal property stolen from them is a bigger criminal and in more trouble than the person that did the breaking in and stealing of the personal property that potentially would commit an uh, a, um, unlawful act with the items stolen out of the person's car. Makes perfect sense. Yes.
1: As Ed McMahon used to say on The Tonight Show,
2: yes, Johnny.
1: Exactly. I mean, wh- hey, 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 Hermie, want to guess how that bill fared in the Courts of Justice Committee on Wednesday when I blew you off because I had to be there? Take a guess. Hmm. Let me Take think. Your time. Could be some real um, rational people on the D side. Uh,
2: go. I yeah. would probably go. guess that it passed along party lines. Nine to six. You nine are. Nine you six. are Creskin, my man. I mean, damn. God. God. <laughs>
1: give me six. Give me six lotto numbers. Cause you, you got it going today. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know, what a shock. And this is when you go, you know, thank God Governor Youngkin's in the, in the mansion. Good God. But, you know, he's there for two years. So, you remember, in two years, he's out, and a new governor comes in, and a new General Assembly from the House of Delegates side get, comes in. Will it go back Republican or will it stay Democrat? You could have, in two years, the opportunity where, uh, like we had during what I call the COVID pandemic and George Floyd summer where we had a governor and a Senate and a, and a House of Delegates all controlled by Democrats, and we got some of the craziest damn things we ever saw passed. These are even far extended because some of the more moderate Democrats are gone that wouldn't let these pass back in the day. We're just going to see more radical more radical lefty policies coming out if that happens in two years. So that's why I'm glad Governor Yunkin has his veto pen. He's going to need veto pens, plural. Not veto pen. So that's what's going on at the Capitol this week. Uh, but uh, while we take a little break, let's come back and I want to talk racing. Man, you have done look the the owner, the co-owner. You know, he's like the CEO. I'm like a board member. He has made some wild moves with Sadler Stanley Racing, our open wheel modified team, powered by paceomatic in the Smart Southern uh, Modified Auto Racing Teams Tour, Smart Tour, and in the Wheeland Tour, which is the NASCAR Open Wheel Modified Tour. We run in Virginia. We run in North Carolina. We run in South Carolina. Got big races coming up in March. We're going to talk about this man is a man of action. Hermie Sadler. Does he, does he rest on his laurels? Does he polish his trophies? No. No. He says, what can we do to be better? What can we do be, to be greater? What can we do for the future and the future of racing?
2: Every decision I made, I made you text me in writing your written <laughs> approval, which at certain times you were hesitant to do. So this is a team <laughs> and jointly we made decisions. Thank you I, so much. I don't, I don't, I don't remember any text like that, man. I don't What I, I like text,
1: but I love what he does, man. And I love being his partner in this because it, it does so many great things on so many different levels. So we're going to take a little break. And then uh, listen to our sponsors, which I think is going to be me and Hermie, uh, doing our ads for our own companies. And then when we come back, we're going to talk racing. We've been talking a lot of politics on leaning right and turning left with Sadler in the center, powered by pace because that's what's going on here in the General Assembly. But you know what? When the 24 hours, Rolex 24 hours at Daytona starts up, that's the beginning of the race season in my mind. Daytona's fast upon us after the clash. But what we really got coming up is what we love the most, which is open wheel modified racing. So we're going to take a break. We'll be right back to hear more about Sadler Stanley Racing and the big things that Hermie Sadler and by text telling me we're doing. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
2: Hi, folks. This is Hermie Sadler. Thanks for listening to our all new podcast, Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I hope you are enjoying the show as much as Senator Stanley and I enjoy bringing it to you. Whether you're a family traveling together or a truck driver hauling freight up and down the highway, I hope you will take the time to visit one of our Sadler Travel Plaza locations in Virginia and North Carolina. Sadler Travel Plaza locations are licensed dealer locations for pilot travel centers. And we also carry Shell Motiva petroleum products for our four-wheel friends. We pride ourselves on providing one-stop shopping for service, food, and entertainment. Our food options include Five Guys Burgers and Fries, Quiznos, Dairy Queen, Hermie Sadler's Faux Show Bar & Grill, Victory Lane Restaurant, Hunt Brothers Pizza, Dunkin' Donuts, and much, much more. Our locations include Sadler Travel Plaza in South Hill, located off I-85 at exit 12. The Sadler Travel Plaza of Emporia, which is conveniently located on exit 11B off I-95, and Sadler Travel Plaza on Highway 58 in Suffolk. We also have our North Carolina location, Sadler Travel Plaza in Dunn, North Carolina, that's exit 75 off I-95. We appreciate all of our customers, and Bill and I appreciate you listening to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic.
1: Hey, this is Bill Stanley, Hermes Sadler's sidekick on this podcast. When I'm not in Richmond at the Capitol or doing this podcast, my real job for the past 27 years is as a trial attorney with the Stanley Law Group. Here at the Stanley Law Group, we represent our clients in every courthouse in the Commonwealth. No problem is too small for us to solve. No case is too big for us to win. Whether it's criminal charges, traffic offenses, civil disputes, litigation matters of any sort, we handle it all. We make sure that we treat every client like family because they are us. Your problem is our problem. Your success is our success because we hate to lose more than we love to win. And believe me, we win a lot. Don't believe me? Go ask Hermie. I'm his favorite lawyer, and he hates lawyers. So give us a call at 540-721-6028 and let us help you. Or visit our website at www.vastanleylawgroup.com. That's www.vastanleylawgroup.com. At the Stanley Law Group, we'll make sure we're the lawyers that you swear by. And not at. And we're back. on Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, still leaning right.
2: And I'm former NASCAR driver and Fox Sports analyst, Hermie Sadler. <laughs> Who are you laughing at? What people can't
1: see is we see each other on video right now, and you were halfway across your office and went zooming back in your chair. Thank God I had wheels. I haven't seen you run that fast since you were NASCARing
2: it. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> told you, I, uh, Use all of my um, athletic and hand, athletic ability and hand-eye coordination to spill a 16-ounce cup of coffee on my computer, my keyboard, desk, and floor when I finish. I walk in the door. Nice. So nice. During our break, and otherwise, I've been trying to use okay. my very limited cleanup <laughs> skills.
1: We need to, to we need to put this on video because you, you're about you know on the on the TV screen you're about four inches tall and all of a sudden zoom you came running back like you're on octane a high. Well, octane usually, and,
2: usually coming back from these breaks and bumpers, you <laughs> ramble for a couple seconds. And you went right more,
1: to it. I mean, more efficient. Yeah. Speaking of rambling, though, because yeah. we were talking about you know some of the some of the uh, you know just incomprehensible things that are going on here in the Gen- General Assembly and the common sense thing. I'm always reminded of. You know, what we even have at the national level, you know, I, I don't know if you heard this, but I'm just going to play this because it reminded as we went out and we we're talking about understanding what they're saying, and what their bills are and all this stuff. We've got a president of the United States who just speaks in tongues. And uh, last week he was at, uh, at a place called Earthrider Brewery in Superior, Wisconsin, I guess on a campaign stop. And it, President Biden sounded like he was speaking just in a different language while giving a, a speech. And I just want to play it right now. And just as an example of what politics has become, this is our
2: free, the leader of the free world. But you know, beer brewed here. It
0: is used to make the brew beer here. It is. Oh, Earth Rider,
3: thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. What? what?
1: <laughs> exactly. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, we'll play it again.
3: Beer brewed here, it is used to make the brew beer. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder what <laughs> That was wrong. That All right, that's enough. that's enough.
2: God, we are in trouble. We are Can I just say trouble. one thing? Sure. Look, people that listen to this podcast already know that I have a very unique and different way of looking at things as it relates to people. Mm-hmm. But this guy, who is the president of the United States, and you you can correct me if I'm wrong, this is what I understood. Didn't he, like 30 years ago, make some statement that he was like number one or number two in his law class at Syracuse University? Yes. And wasn't it later proven or information came out that he was like, down at the bottom of his class. Yes,
1: and got busted for plagiarism, and that's why when he ran for president many many moons ago, like in the early eighties or nineties, he got busted for that and had to withdraw because he couldn't even write his own stuff back then.
2: Okay, okay, wait. Why doesn't that matter? Why isn't that dis- Why isn't that disqualifying for someone to run for anything in his life, including? But certainly, you would think, most importantly, President of the United States.
1: Yeah, Earth, right. thank you, Earth Rider, right. for the Great Lakes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, if you think back, and you can find somewhere on the internet, Joe Biden in the 90s, he didn't speak like this. The, there has been such a decline, and, and it's sad because, you know, we have parents, and they and, and they decline. We all get older. I mean, we understand that. But when you've got your finger well, on the nuclear button, president
2: of the United States,
1: correct? When you get your finger on the nuclear button <laughs> and are making decisions that that are allowing wars to go on in the world and your gas prices to, to rise and your your you're allowing a, an invasion at your southern border in order to to create new voters, as I like to say, uh, Joe Biden has said now that we cannot no longer call uh, those. Uh, Mexicans coming across the border as illegal aliens. We now call them undocumented Democrats. So um, it just seems like he's not there to make the decisions. He's not all there. So people are making for him and they're the radical left and they're making those decisions and the world's got to be laughing at us. I mean the world, you know, no wonder uh, China wants to take over Taiwan and thinks they, thinks they can do it. No wonder Russia invaded Ukraine. No wonder South or North Korea is, is agitating South Korea uh, with weapons fired over their lands. It, it, chapter and verse over and over. No wonder there's 10 million undocumented illegal aliens crossing our southern border. And we're not just talking about people that have been harmed by their home country. We're talking about able-bodied men, single men, who should be staying in their country, who cannot claim asylum. But they're also coming from every country in the world, like China and Syria. And and the ones that, that seek to do us harm are enemies. And he just says, Oh, great legs booty, I'm not wearing pants. You know, and 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 we think that's okay. And he's a candidate for, for a reelection? Good Look, lord.
2: I I understand everything and what you're saying and how he cannot put a coherent message together. That is really bad. But the point I was making to you is much, much worse. You know, we talk about our parents and, you know, and and my dad. My dad only has a high school education. He never went to college, okay? He's not running for president. But if my dad had come out as, as a high school graduate that went right into the National Guard, if my dad, to try to impress people or to try to sell fuel to people or get people to come to work for him, had ever come out publicly and said, I was valedictorian of my... Graduating class at Greensville County High School, my dad was an average student, a C student at best. Okay. It is what it is. He overcame it. Okay. But if he had tried to come out and say, I was valedictorian of my graduating class, that is a lie. And so once somebody lies about something, how and why can you ever trust them? I don't know. Let's move on to something.
1: No, no. no. I mean, once you've lied, you're, you can be branded a liar. In a court of law, let's say we have a jury instruction that we give to the jury before they're charged with determining guilt or innocence or determining the outcome of a civil case. And the jury instruction is quite simple and is based in Virginia law, which says, if you have determined that a witness is not credible about one statement that they've made, then you can choose to find them incredible, not credible, about everything they say. And I think that's character and integrity again, which we talked about earlier in the first segment. And, and, and it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. I mean, he talked about, you know, when he was a lifeguard at a community pool, a segregated community pool, or, you know, with a lot of uh, African-Americans, a gangster named Corn
2: Pop. and And I took care of Corn Pop. There's no Corn Pop, dude. And, and he never discussed, talked to, met with, or had anything to do with any of Hunter's Business deal.
1: That's right. Overseas. <laughs> there you go. We could go on and on, and that seems to be a separate show uh, that we could do that. But uh, oh, let me, mighty, let, let's talk sports here. And, and and this past weekend, you know, we we work here during the week, and then uh, most times we try to get home just to see our folks, our kids, our our wives, our families. Just for the weekend, it goes by so quick. And so Friday, I actually left Friday morning here, did not attend session, my third, only third day of session that I did not attend in 14 years, but it's because governor Yunkin was coming to new college Institute. You know, we had, we had a little dust up, uh, about when they tried to cut funding for new college in the governor's proposed budget. Uh, he and I, you know, I got taken to the principal's office. We had this conversation in a previous podcast of leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator. And I would remind everybody, we've got a great library of great interviews, great stars and celebrities and politicians and, and, and things that I think are still relevant today. And, and so I told him how I felt and he told me how he felt and I said, well, you should come down and you should come down to Martinsville and visit new college for yourself instead of just making determinations on something you've never seen. And you know what? He's good for his work. He, he called up said, coming down on Friday. And, uh, which, you know, was a good day for us. And so I went down there, drove down there, uh, had a good three hour meeting. He walked around, met all of our students, met, met the different, um, partners that we have you know with longwood university and our education program with uh, with the wendell scott foundation which we have to get warwick and and frank scott on this show very soon and all they're doing they had students in from danville showing them the stem c we had our broadband academy out in full force teaching kids what's there uh, we we had our win program there he went through all of that saw up, met rob spillman of bassett furniture and and who really believes in the institute and then we then he then he went upstairs and and we really kind of rolled up our sleeves and said, okay, how do we make this better? And he was so engaged and I was just so grateful that he had done that, but it wasn't just some, you know, tour and he didn't want press there. He wanted to really take a deep dive on new college. And I was appreciative that he did that flew down and then flew out. And then, uh, so I got home and my son's Friday game was there. And my son, you know, Chandler, who's a, the biggest fan of Sadler Stanley racing and Bobby Labonte ever. And, um, you know, he's learning to play basketball and he's short, you know, I guess I've given him the, genetic vertical challenge a bit and so he passes the ball he plays great defense he's learning drill he's fast he's the fastest kid on the team every other uh, team members out there they're trying to shoot they're shooting 25 30 shots they're not winning my boy hasn't really shot and so in friday's game he actually tried to take a shot and got fouled now the guy you know just rolled into him he took two foul shots he missed them. the next night we saturday night um uh, we had well Saturday day Herm. My wife decides she's going to buy like the largest refrigerator you can buy on on planet Earth. And of course. So, and so we had to <laughs> try, we had to try to get it through the front door of our house, which was an exercise. I ended up breaking the door jam at, at at some point. We'd gotten about a quarter of the fridge in, and we we're just like screw it, pushed it right through. Luckily, Colin was there uh, to do it. We got her mega fridge that talks to you and actually you know rubs you on the head when you pick the make the right choice in picking whatever food out of the fridge so we go to his game after we've done that and and chandler uh he's dribbling ball well defending well they're getting beat again you know they're smaller kids man he he took a side move dribbled to his right stopped and popped and threw up a perfect swish from about 16 feet away i mean that's awesome. Flick the wrist, and I mean, first basket ever, you know. And, and I guess, you know,
2: I guess. You I'm know, glad you were there, man. I, I, you know,
1: I got to be there, and it, it threw me back immediately, like the first base hit I got, you know, because I played baseball before I played anything else, and I was a little kid. And it wasn't t ball; it was like off the pitcher's uh, pitch. And I remember my father and my mother being a certain way, and I, I never really got it until then, but. Man, he, 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 I mean, he launched that thing. He looked like Steph Curry, held it at the finish, put that sucker in. They were, there weren't a lot of scoring in the, in the game. I mean, I think he scored 10% of the team's points with that one bucket, but he smiled the rest of the game. I mean, talked about it the whole way home. And, and one of his friends was there watching with his family, who then he spent the night. My boy was just as proud as could be. And I was uh, as proud as could be. That'll
2: give us some parent. confidence, too. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and I think so. Cause you know, his dribbling's really gotten good. He can move from his right to his left. He defends really well. Um, he passes, you know, that's what he was doing. It was feeding the ball. But every time he feed the ball to some kid, the next kid would take the shot. Finally, he stood up, took the shot and he drained it. And so I'm proud. I know Laura's proud. Um, and my son was over the moon and I wanted to tell you that cause you know, he thinks the world of you. And, uh, and so I wanted you to know, I, I had not told you that. So, uh, so that's what I did Saturday, came back Sunday here so we could, we could be together, but then we're not together. We are remote, and you're an employer, and I am here in hey, uh,
2: Richburner. I had some basketball in my weekend as well. Oh yeah, and I got to tell you, uh, my niece Sadler Lundy, my sister's daughter, Sadler is a cheerleader Sadler? for the Sadler Lundy. <laughs> is a cheerleader for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Oh wow!
1: Like your daughter you,
2: was you. No, 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 no. My daughter was a cheerleader for the University of North Carolina.
1: Pardon me, pardon
2: me. me. Let's not get carried away.
1: Uh, Coming from a Tar Heel Um, graduate that Hermia is, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't know that, you know it now.
2: So anyway, uh, Sadler (laughs) uh, is a cheerleader for the Hokies, and so my sister asked me, she said, hey, you know, because I'd been to a a couple football games, but I hadn't been to any of the basketball games that, that Sadler had cheered, and Just like you, there's always stuff going on. I got Naomi Softball and I got Sadler Stanley Racing. I've got Sadler Butters Oil Company, Slippy and Food Marts and Haley Drew, all these things. But anyway, the timing worked out. So me and Haley got in the car with my sister and rode up to Blacksburg yesterday to watch uh, Virginia Tech. They played Georgia Tech. Virginia Tech won the game, but there was a time during the day that I thought about you, Bill. And you would not have been happy. Oh, (laughs) you would not have been happy.
1: Lay it on me, big daddy. What?
2: Because as I simply got up at halftime of the game to go to the restroom and take Haley and come back. And I end up having an impromptu picture session (laughs) in the hallway at Castle Coliseum. People, you can, you know, you get mad I when care. I get recognized at public events and you don't. But as I'm sitting here taking these pictures and talking to these people, I thought to myself, boy, this would really piss Bill yeah. off. He was standing over there and nobody wanted his picture. <laughs> but, anybody say uh, my name? No. <laughs> but uh, I did. Look, I got to see Sadler Cheer and uh, one of my longtime friends in the wrestling uh business, my old buddy Scott Steiner, yeah, his son, his son plays for the Hokies and is a freshman, and is actually getting a little bit of playing time. But I actually got to see Scott at the game, and Scott and his wife Krista and Scott's mother and his son, whose name is Brandon, uh, they came and met me and Haley and Missy and uh, Sadler for dinner last night. We had it at a place called the Farmhouse. In Christiansburg. Not yep. sure if you've ever been there. I have. Uh, it's a great place. Uh, nice spot. And so I got to not only see Sadler Cheer, the Hokies got a win, uh, which I put on social media. Haley and I were, quote, unquote, Hokies for a day. Uh, <laughs> um, and so got to see all that, but also got to spend some time uh, and see Scott and his wife and mom and, and Brandon. Oh,
1: that's uh, great.
2: That was uh, great. Yeah, it was fun. Scott Louis Steiner, Steiner. Had a good day.
1: what a superstar! Yeah. Nobody was asking for his
2: big picture. Papa
1: no, wait a minute. Were they asking for his picture and go? Oh, by the way, do you want to be in it? I mean, he wasn't he was with me superstar. at that time.
2: I, that would have been probably what you would have wanted me to <laughs> uh, to say. But uh, but look, we had a great time, fun trip. Good. It rained all the way up and back. Oh we yeah, had a good time. And yeah, we had bad rain. Glad I got to see Sadler cheer and uh, glad to see a uh, big Papa Pump Scott Steiner and. Glad to see his son Brandon uh, getting a little bit of playing time for the Hokies. So they actually play Duke tomorrow night, which will be Monday night. Which not sure when this podcast is going to hit, but uh, so Scott and his wife are staying in town uh, for the Monday night, hmm. January 29th ninth game in Blacksburg when the Hokies take on uh, the really the only team I dislike in the ACC, and that is the Duke Blue Devils.
1: Yeah, well, if you're UNC, you can't like Duke
2: can't. Yeah. I well, like Virginia Tech. I mean, I have a lot of friends, of course, my niece and friends and customers that are, you know, fans of Virginia Tech, so I pull for them, and you know, I, uh, University of Virginia have a lot of friends and family that went there and NC State, but the, you know, we all agree that uh, we don't like dude.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for getting in our area and stopping by and saying hi to me. Uh, that was great. So, so, how do you, so, if Plugmore was trying to get to Blacksburg from Emporia, wh- what way would it go?
2: Well, what you want to do is you start off on 95 South <laughs> and you go down until you, when you get to Florence, South Carolina, you've gone too far.
1: <laughs> you Turn around.
2: Then you got to turn around, <laughs> yeah. but really that's the only downside to, and I don't know how my sister has done it for these four years, going to all these ball games. There's no good way to get from Virginia Tech no. Blacksburg from Emporia.
1: That's a hell of a drive.
2: So we ended up because the weather was so bad. We went, I'll say, plug in, in plug more terms, 95 North. We took 64 West and got on 81 and oh, went to yeah. Blacksburg simply because the weather and the rain was so bad. Uh, we just stayed on the highways to and from. That's like long five, trip. That's five hours. It's, as Haley would say, long trip, long ride. But hope has got to win. And, you know, just like I do a lot of other places, we sat down here. Yeah, the game was over at seven. We sat down to eat at eight at the farmhouse, but I got there and just started, you know, running my mouth with, with Scott and I hadn't seen him in a while. And there it is, 11 o'clock and we're still there sitting there talking, you know, so I didn't get home till like four thirty this morning. Holy
1: cow. Yeah, no, I was yeah. going to say it's a five hour drive.
2: One of the easy. Yeah. Wow. So. We still haven't talked about racing yet. Are we going to do it now or wait till next week? No,
1: no, no. Let's do it now. Let's let's at least tease because I think what we have to have um, is what we'll try to do this week is we're going to try to double up. We're, we're going to try. This was a little late. This is last week's episode this week, and then we'll do this week's episode. Let's see if we can get some people on that you're going to talk about now. We'll talk about a little bit here and then tease up what we can do next time. We'll talk more racing and less politics as we move forward. Uh, with Sadler Stanley Racing, but I mean, you've made, and I was teasing it in the first segment, but you have really made, uh, of course, with my consultation and, and, and discussion, but you really have had in your mind... And
2: written, approval.
1: <laughs> uh, written approval. Mr. Attorney,
2: sir, written approval. If that's it. Yeah, you I got a call text it. from you that says, I agree <laughs> with the above conversation. Okay.
1: Maybe so, but you know, you've really done some amazing things, and I... And I'm really kind of excited about Sadler Stanley Racing, the open wheel modified uh, smart tour and the Wheeland tour. Um, let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, we had some press releases that went out last week. Big news. Last year we had Bobby Labonte uh, was our main driver. Ryan Newman drove some races, most a lot of races. And then we had Jonathan Cash that brought up the rear that picked up those races where Ryan Newman couldn't run. Uh, we did third and fourth in the car, in the car ownership points. We are a little farther back. I think we were fourth or fifth with, with, uh, with Bobby in the, in the driver points. The car owner points, we were third and fourth. Really good year for a second year out. Uh, won some races. Won the last two out of three in the Smart Series. Placed really well on a lot of others. Top five. Had some really good aggressive driving. And we've made some changes because you're always looking forward and moving forward. Let's talk about them.
2: Well, we announced last week, Saddler Stanley Racing, we'll just start at the top, Bobby Labonte, um, a dear friend to both of us. Yes. And we're so happy to see Bobby get those, uh, the, the finish the season, winning two out of the last three on the Smart Tour um, was just really, really fun. It made a sometimes difficult season fun. And we finished on a good note, really uh, sent our guys into the off season with a lot of confidence and um, morale at an all-time high. Um, Bobby's got some things coming up. He'll be making some announcements in the coming weeks and months about some of the things that he's going to be doing. So, uh, But he's going to stay with Sadler Stanley Racing in a uh, limited capacity. He's going to run three uh, NASCAR wheeling modified tour races for us at Richmond, Martinsville, and North Wilkesboro. And he'll be doing five smart tour races as well. So just really happy that we got to keep Bobby on uh, for 2024 uh, even though it won't be a full time schedule, having him in the car and running, running representing us on the NASCAR Wheeling Modified Tour and up to five smart races was, uh, it's really exciting uh, you mentioned Jonathan Cash he well, and, ran and, and wait a minute, races but, but
1: Bobby's us. not leaving the team I mean, he's got another opportunity coming uh, which,
2: yeah he's, he's not,
1: and it's not driving anything. it's really doing he's, something again back for in for anybody NASCAR. else, yeah.
2: as it relates to driving No, yeah. he's got a big time opportunity um uh, but I, I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil that for him. Right. Uh, he is let's just say that he is running as many races for us as he possibly can and all the racing that he is doing on track with him as a driver, he's doing with us. And so we're happy uh, about that. He's kind of turned his attention also to helping our other drivers, which uh, you mentioned Jonathan Cash, he ran for us part time in twenty twenty three. He'll jump up and run full time in twenty twenty four. Um Really excited to give Jonathan this opportunity. He's a guy that uh, has scratched and clawed and fought for every opportunity that he's ever had uh, in racing, and so this is a great opportunity for him to have the resources and the team behind him to uh, to elevate. Uh, and he had some good runs for us last year. He should have won South Boston yeah. uh, one time uh, last year, and you know qualifies top five just about every time out, and so. Uh, but this year he'll he'll have um, he'll be driving the 16 VA for a full season in the Smart Modified Tour. We're excited about that, and then our third driver uh, will be Luke Baldwin. His dad, Tommy Baldwin, is a is a legend uh, in NASCAR racing, and certainly the Baldwin name has a lot of meaning to those uh, in the modified uh, division. And so uh, we're giving his son Luke um, his first full time opportunity to run full-time in the Smart Modified Tour. We'll be running for Rookie of the Year in the Smart Tour as well. And uh, we can go ahead and say that on next week's show, we're going to have Luke Baldwin on as a guest to talk about his opportunity in the Smart uh, Modified Tour. Uh, he's young. He's hungry. He's excited. And, you know, I went last Thursday night to represent both of us at a kind of a kickoff dinner and event then at uh, PSR. For saddle standard racing and our team is pumped they're jacked they're happy they're excited uh and to see our team and our drivers get together uh and be so pumped up uh and we're actually testing tuesday with luke for the first time where's, so is it, where's uh, that going to be uh we're going to caraway Shaking down at caraway um we we've uh, we're building a brand new car that um that jonathan cash will get to take care of the one that bobby wrecked at uh, motor mile last year so uh, that'll be tested the following week. Uh, but Luke is basically going in the car that Bobby Labani finished the season in so strong last year. So uh, we've got high hopes for Luke um, and Jonathan and uh, Bobby when he hits the track. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels uh, Saddle Stanley Racing on Facebook. We've also got a Twitter account. So once, uh, you know, as as we test and have things to update. We'll be, we'll be doing a better job this year of updating our followers and our fans on what's going on with Sadler Stanley Racing. But some some big announcements, some exciting announcements, uh, and I really love the demeanor and the morale of our race team right now. They're pumped up and ready to go.
1: That sounds fun. Now, we got, we got a big race coming up on March 24th. It's not the first race of the Smart Series. That's going to be at South Boston. It's called the King of the Modifieds. That's actually going to be potentially... One of the bigger purses on the East Coast for, for modified tour racing, tour top type modifieds. I've got a lot of actually companies that have come to Richmond that are interested in sponsoring uh, that race. should be a high car count, uh, but it's right there in South Boston. It's going to be the week after uh, we get out of session, I guess two weeks after we get out of session, and uh, two weeks before we go in for reconvene. So I'm hoping we get a lot of our legislators come down there. And kind of check it out. Pace are is going to be one of the big sponsors. Hopefully, we'll have some good news on skill games then. Uh, and we're celebrating. If not, you know, it might be a good time to to reconvene and talk about what can be done for small businesses. But I'm excited about that tour race. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna park the camper, the you know, the 40 footer. The no, sorry, the 30. Footer, what what is it, Aaron? 30 footer, 31. Uh, I'm gonna park it right there and 31. Uh, yeah,
2: one foot longer than Hermes. <laughs> That out there.
1: Gonna park it uh, right, probably there on a Wednesday or Thursday, and, and make it a you know, whole big weekend. You
2: know what they say about people that have big trucks?
1: Uh, no, what do they say? <laughs> they have big truck nuts. <laughs> okay, we'll let that we'll let that slide. Well, you know, you know what they say about guys who have big shoes, right? They have big feet. <laughs> I mean, the hell. All right. Well, so. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get, I know Chandler's excited to get there. Look, I'm wearing my Sadler Stanley racing garb here as we talk. Very loyal. Uh, I want everybody to start coming out and watching us run. We're going to have great, great times. Luke Baldwin, most exciting, probably open wheel modified uh, racer coming out. I mean, Tommy Baldwin's a legend in NASCAR. You've got Jonathan Cash, one of the best drivers. I mean, you want to talk about a guy, a blue collar guy that digs it out. That's the guy. These are guys to watch. And then you're going to have Bobby Labonte. Who's going to be running probably in that race as well, but he's going to be running. So we're going to be running three cars. My dream come true. Finally. No wonder you had to ask my permission. I grant it (laughs) granted, but it's going to be fun. And, uh, and so we're going to try to, we're going to, we're going to have a racing type um, episode next week. Uh, And certainly we're going to keep you up to date on everything that's happening political in the leaning right part, but let's start turning left the 2024 racing season has arrived. It's on the doorstep, and it might be a nice distraction from the 2024 election uh, process that we're about to embark in that's probably going to change our country forever. Hermie, I love you, brother. I wish you were here, and and I miss you greatly. And uh, I'll be over later this
2: it. week. I'll Please. be over later this week.
1: Please, dude. Another exciting episode, and we'll, we're trying to double up here because there's so much going on, so make sure that you can... Listen to our, our podcasts. Tell your friends. Give us a five-star rating if you can. You can find us on Facebook, Leaning Right, Turning Left Podcast. You can find us on the internet. You can find us on Twitter at sadlersenator.com. You can find, of course, at Hermie Sadler, at Bill Stanley. Uh, communicate with us, man. Let's keep in touch. But thank you for li- listening to this episode. It's always been great honor. It's always been a great honor uh, to do this with you and for you. We're having a great time doing it. Hermie Sadler, you the man. You the man,
2: Hermie Sadler. We want to thank all of our listeners that support us and uh, Bill continue good luck over in Richmond fighting the good fight. And we'll yes, sir. Uh, we'll uh, we, we have a lot of support but and we certainly uh, wanna give one other shout out to pacematic uh, giving us the platform and the opportunity uh, to get our message out there, not only through the podcast, but on the racetrack and keep the dream alive of uh, supporting and advocating for small businesses. It's important that we keep doing it, especially in times like this when uh, we've got people that, um, you know, that are on the other side of the other side of the fence, you know, fighting against our small businesses and their rights and all that. So thanks to pacematic Thanks to all our listeners. And we'll talk to you again next week. This is leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator. Howard by pacematic
1: God bless you all. And especially the family of Wendy Nash who we remember today.
2: Hey, hey,
4: it's Conrad Thompson with with SaveWithConrad.com. You've heard me bragging on the podcast for years about helping people save money on their current house. But did you know that I can help you with your next house as well? That's right. We can get you into your next house with zero down. No money down loan programs are still available. And I know it sounds too good to be true, but we can do it for you. And by the way, home ownership is more affordable than you might think. We routinely turn renters into homeowners and we hear back that their new house payment is more affordable than what they were paying in rent. Why would you keep doing that? Stop throwing your money away, paying for someone else's mortgage, and start building wealth for your family. And let my family help at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit to do this. We can improve credit scores down to the 500s, and it's worth mentioning, we never say no. We say not yet, but here's how. You need a game plan to buy a house, and that's where we come in at SaveWithConrad.com. We'll ask you, what down payment do you want to make, and zero is an acceptable answer and what monthly payment do you want, and then it's time to go shopping. Find out how easy it is and how affordable it is to become a homeowner at SaveWithConrad.com.